You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with Peter Beagle. He's the author of The Last Unicorn, A Fine and Private Place in Tamsin. Thank you for joining me, Peter. It's always a pleasure to, to join you, you know, for an interview, however brief it is. Peter, you know, one of the things you do so well is to take the core elements of fantasy we've heard a thousand times and cast them into a modern light that makes them, that just completely reinvents them, which is what we heard with your both your stories here today. Talk about how you do that and just the, your choice of language I think is really important. Your, the craft in your stories is amazing. You must winnow those suckers down with like a, a million uh, little knives. I was trained by experts. I was a freelance learning to be a professional writer. I was 24, and suddenly I had an instant family, and I had to learn how to feed them. And I only ever knew to do one thing, which was just tell stories. And fortunately, I had editors at magazines who would give me assignments, nonfiction pieces, and then teach me how to do them. And they taught me how to edit myself, and I got slowly, slowly, slowly good at it. And then I've um, I was married once to the best writer I ever knew, and I learned a great deal from her. I'm very aware of her. Her name was Padma Hejmadi, Indian writer. And I know I'm different because of the years we were married. We were two pros together, and she was better. Talk about um, just creating the emotional arcs of your stories, because I think that's one of the other keys to your success, is that your stories have a real emotional feel to them, and they take us from one feeling to another. Do, do they do that to you too, and does that arc surprise you? I can't say that I'm like Dickens in the sense that Dickens could be writing and crying his eyes out, even as he created. I don't do that, but it catches up with me that emotional arc later on, sometimes very much later on, whether it's a story, I suddenly have real difficulty reading aloud at a gathering. I never used to have trouble reading aloud. Again, I write songs. And back in 1974 or thereabouts, I wrote a song that I could sail straight through, just a song of thanksgiving to Christian X, who was the king of Denmark when the Nazis invaded and who protected the Jews so well and so determinedly that when the Nazis finally came to round them up, almost every Jew in Denmark had disappeared. Christian lived long enough to see the Nazis chased out and the war over, and I always wanted to write a song to say thank you. I did, and I sang it for years in conventions or concerts. Now, all these years later, I have real difficulty singing it. I may not get halfway through before I start to cry. Maybe it's a sign of age. But it happens like that with stories as well, and with, with characters, with moments. There are things I know ex- where I know exactly what I'm doing. And there are certain things where I just have to turn it over to some other pilot, um, and it'll catch up with me later on. I look at the story and realize, did I do that? Sometimes I don't remember. You know, I think that your work in music really informs your work in, in prose and, and uh, fiction. 
talk about how that kind of the the singing voice and also the, just the abbreviation, you know, the compact power that you need for songs gets works its way into your fiction. Whether or not I'm performing somewhere, I sing to myself a lot. I can be going out shopping for groceries and be singing Noel Coward or Johnny Mercer or Rogers and Hart or one of my own songs. And I listen to the way words fall with music and the way song, it's, songwriting mattered a great deal to me because as the great French songwriter, I learned the language from Georges Brasson said, you know, it took me years to realize that I wasn't a book poet. I was a poet, but I was somebody who had to get in and say what he had to say in three or four minutes and get out. And the fact that I was writing songs forced structure on me and forced economy on me. And I learned in that way too. Um, Everything has taught me one way or another, whether it's songwriting or making up stories for my children. There's a writer who drives me crazy, an Englishman who's over 80 now, named Peter Dickinson, married to one of the great American fantasy writers, Robin McKinley. And... Peter Dickinson made up a story once for his children on a long car ride to keep them occupied called The Iron Lion. And that book, as much as anything else, drives me crazy. Damn! How the hell do you do that? And in a car at that? Um, I'm always certainly trying to learn and realizing at the same time I could do that or I could do something like that or I could learn from that. I never learned anything from Tolkien, with all due respect to him, except to pay attention to names and to take any chance I could get to stick songs into a story of mine. But I have learned from third and fourth grade writers at least what not to do or what not to repeat. There's a old musical I always loved called Kismet, based on music of Borodin. And at one point in there, the poet, street poet, who's hustling his way through this story the best way he can, says to a greater poet, Omar Khayyam, Omar, my friend, there is always something to be learned, even from fools. And I saw that when I was 14. I took it very seriously. You know, I've always loved the word kismet. Oh, it's an ideal word, of course, and there are lots of things you can do with it in... In my case, I took that particular street poet at 14 as a sort of role model. And in fact, my business manager, Connor, has been chiding me on this because there's a moment when the poet, who's been living the best way he could, taking care of his young daughter, there's a moment when he comes into possession of a bag of gold that's stolen, but he doesn't know that. And he runs to her with the bag of gold hidden behind his back and asks her, Marsana, Think of what you would love most in the world. What do you dream about? What can you imagine? Think. And the poor kid has been so poor for so long that all she can think of is a couple of really ripe oranges that we didn't have to steal or a really big bunch of grapes. And her father says to her, my child, let us have some breadth of vision here. Think big, really big. And suddenly her eyes light up and she says, the other half of the blanket. 
we could buy the other half of the blanket, because that's what they've been sleeping under in the stable. And he sighs and just gives her half the money and just orders her to go buy something for herself. And Connor will sometimes remind me, you're thinking other half of the blanket again. Think bigger than that. Well, I think that the emotions that you bring into your work and, and the, the power, your power and economy of language is as big as it could possibly get. Remember, that's a pleasure for me, that I talk that dialogue out to myself, that I walk around the room speaking it, that I sing it all to myself, if you like, that the words have to sort of bounce off each other in the right way. It's a personal matter. I don't think of myself either as, you know, as Proust or Hemingway or anything in between. But it just has to, the sound has to please me. And I badgered my poor wife when I wrote the innkeeper's song because I read her chapters. And they're all told by different people who are part of the story. And I'd bug her, if you didn't see the character's name, on the top of this section I just read, read to you, would you know who it was? Because I'm haunted by voices. More than anything else, I listen to voices. Somebody once tapped my head and said rather sadly, all those people up in there partying and I'm not invited. And I had to tell her they don't always invite me. I have to sneak up and eavesdrop. I've been speaking with Peter Beagle. His forthcoming book is... Sleight of hand, it's just out. And with any luck at all, this year there will be one, you should excuse the expression, adult novel, and one young adult novel. The quote adult novel, I never know the difference, is called Summer Long. And the quote YA novel is called I'm Afraid You've Got Dragons. And with any luck, they should both be out this year. I hope so. Thank you for joining me, Peter. Thank you for asking me. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.